Welcome back to Diamond Gems. I am your host, Jacob Coates, and I am here for the season two premiere with Greg and Isaac. Boys, how are you feeling going into our second season of hosting a baseball podcast? I am excited. I think it just carried over from our wrap up of season one, and it's I've just been riding the high right through. I'm ready for baseball. Yeah, me and you had a pretty good uh, season finale episode, I think. That went well. Yeah, that was a highlight for sure. I kind of feel that, like the outlier here because I didn't listen to that. So I don't know <laughs> what you guys talked about. I feel like I'm I'm not part of this group anymore. I just feel like I'm the I'm really the third wheel this time. You're back to the, back third, to wheel. the third wheel. We brought you in as a third wheel, gave you a whole bunch of rain, and then you you weren't available for the season finale. So then you became the third wheel again. It, it went. You really went in a full circle. That's life. Well, Isaac, if you want, I can hand off some more power to you in this episode. But before we do that, let me plug some shit. So if you aren't if you aren't already, please like, subscribe, follow, and leave a kind review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That is really the best way you can help us grow. Like we mentioned, this is the premiere of season two, and we absolutely love doing this. Uh, but we would like the podcast to continue to grow, and this is the best way you can help us do that. The more we grow, the better the podcast will be because we have more reach to you know get better guests on and just offer more things, basically. Um, you should also follow us on on Instagram, at Diamond Gems Podcast, and at Shape by Sports. We are a Shape by Sports product. Um, we're also on TikTok, at Shape by Sports, uh, you should subscribe to our YouTube channel in which we plan on putting up a lot more videos this year. Uh, just started it recently and uh, already have some podcast highlights on there, but hopefully going to keep updating that as the year goes by. And yeah, check out our website as well, shapebysports.com. A lot of information on there. We have multiple other podcasts, including Isaac's podcast, where he is not the third wheel. He is a leader. Half. And uh, half a leader. Yeah, he's a co-leader. 500 milliliter. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very <laughs> Canadian, Greg. You're going to confuse the Americans. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's the Scramble Squad pod. It is a golf podcast. And mm-hmm. we also have Left Side Lock Hockey podcast, if you are into those sports. But boys, that's enough about plugging everything. Let's get into this because... I am so excited. We have a really good show ahead of us. We are going to recap all the free agent signings and trades that have gone down since our last episode, which is quite a few. Also going to talk about like how they fit into their new homes and potential lineups and, you know, maybe who, who had the best off season type of thing. From there, we're going to talk about our top 10 power rankings. And this is something that we were even just discussing right up until the final minute here figuring out how we were going to redo our preseason power rankings. Basically, MLB released its power rankings, and none of us liked the power rankings, so we wanted to make our own. And we actually found when we were making our own that it's a lot more difficult than we thought. So I apologize to the MLB for slandering them because it is a difficult thing to do. And I feel like we have good power rankings, but we might still get some hate for them. So we'll definitely get into that. I'm excited to, to discuss and justify our picks. So let's get into it. Free agent signings. 
Bassett to the Mets. Not that exciting, but good for the Mets. Helps bolster their rotation. Nelson Cruz to the Nationals. <laughs> <laughs> How are we feeling about that one? It makes absolutely no sense. I don't actually. Okay, I'll rewind a bit. I think it makes sense if the goal is for him to overperform and deal him for prospects at the deadline. That's the only way it makes sense. That's basically like the working theory right now of of why everyone is like that. That that must be why they did it because it just seems kind of confusing. They also brought back uh, like Sean Doolittle, so I think that they're they are kind of doing that where they want to be like half like you know have some people there for the fans i guess but then probably sell them at the trade deadline is is kind of the understanding of from my end of how the nationals are running this off season what do you think isaac i i don't know i think it's a flipping thing as well like it's uh, it doesn't seem like i don't know if he's just going there to retire and just live out his final year, make a little bit of money and leaving. Uh, I don't know how much How much was the price tag there. Do you know? It was... Uh, no, I don't know, actually. It's fine. I can look it up. I, I, I think it'll be a flip midseason. Okay. Yeah, I, there's, it's actually kind of interesting. I feel like there's a few teams that this year like kind of had these off-seasons where... It's they they went out and got like pretty big people and it's like but but why you know so um, I don't know I don't even see his I can't find it whatever I'm sure it's not a ton of money probably under under twenty mil a season which is a ton of money for most people but uh, not for a big organization so okay uh, I mean that's pretty much all we need to cover there I think. Next up, we have, sorry, I just lost my place, uh, Jock and Rodon to the Giants. How are we feeling about that? Jock Patterson. Um, I I kind of like the lefty there. Yeah, McCovey Cove. That sounds cool. Uh, they needed a replacement for Gosman. Rodon, I, I think he kind of fits that mold because I don't think either of them are elite pitchers. And who knows what he can do there. Have the lefty on the mound at that stadium. I, I think it could be a, a interesting. It could be very helpful, work in their favor. I don't know if this is an upgrade or just keeps them on the same level as they were last season. Mm-hmm. Which, well, I, I, that season worked out. But so. Well, they also got Carlos Rodon. So that also helps their rotation to a certain That's, extent. Yeah. So Carlos Rodon was I remember his deal was two years for forty four million. I kind of like that value for the Giants. You get him for two years. He's a guy that had well, he was in competition. He was top three in Cy Young last year, I believe, in the American League. Uh not gonna give you a ton of innings, but when he's there, can deliver quality as we saw last year. I like the fit for him in San Francisco as well, even though they have the short porch in right field uh you know left field is a little bit a little bit deeper it's a bit more of a pitcher's park over there so uh you get the lefty kind of i i like the pick for them there as well um yeah i I don't know i think they're gonna perform this year as we expected them to perform last year 
So I don't think they're they're going to contend. I don't think they repeat what they did last year. Call me a hater, whatever. Not not a Giants believer, even with the signings. You know, we were. The thing is, we were Giants haters all season last year, and then they had the second best record in baseball. And we kept saying the whole time, this is going to end, this is going to end, this is going to end. Why are we still not believing in the Giants? What specifically do you guys think about the Giants is going to be their downfall? I think to be a contender year after year, you need star power. As much as there's the whole Billy Bean method, I think you need star power. And that's the thing that separates your team from a team that's going to be a perennial playoff contender. I think the Giants had a fluke season, still calling it a fluke season. Uh, with some overperforming average players, and I think they're going to perform as average players this year. They lost Buster Posey. That's one guy I can think of that they lost. They lost Chris Bryant. Chris Bryant, yeah. Chris Bryant gone. Yep, he wasn't there the whole season though. Yeah. Yep. Kevin Gosman. Their their pitching staff performed exceptionally well for what they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still don't hate their staff though. Like they have, uh, like Logan Webb, I think is going to be a very good pitcher moving forward. They have a good closer now in uh, that Doval guy. He looks pretty nasty, honestly. Got a so, Desclafani. They could Desclafani. Uh, yeah, he could come back. They could come back to bite us again. That's for sure. Um, we'll see. We'll talk about them when we get to our power rankings. <laughs> All right. Or not. Or not. Oh yeah. <laughs> or not. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Uh, let's talk Blue Jays. Blue Jays got two big guys since the last time we talked. Well, one big guy and a guy that might be big time overrated, potentially. Uh, the big time overrated guy that I'm talking about is Yusei Kokuchi. Now, the Jays signed him to. Can someone look up what what he's making, please? Um, got you. But basically, they signed him as the fifth starter. Go ahead, Isaac. Uh, three year, $36 million. Yeah. He's a back end of the rotation guy. The value isn't really terrible for what the potential is, I guess. Um, when you really dive into his numbers, the, the Blue Jays are expecting quite a bit from him. And I feel like he was a guy on the market that was kind of sought after and for some reason is being sold as like somewhat of a big get. But when you actually dive into his peripherals, and like he didn't have a great season last year at all, the peripherals say that that's what he is. Like there's there's no real data to support that he's going to be better this year unless he makes some serious adjustments. So Pete Walker, as Isaac and I know, is has been able to pull things out of some pitchers, uh, mm-hmm. a la Robbie Ray last year, coming off of a what a six plus ERA season in the mm-hmm. the previous. Com- season that he had pitched in to win the Cy Young um the Jays like his tools I guess they're hoping something more can come from him with Kikuchi so nobody is paying for what he's done in the MLB nobody would ever pay that much money for a guy that has five ERA in his career now his Japan statistics are what everyone's still looking at when signing him and seeing that oh he can come back to this where he had a 2.77 ERA and a 73-46 and 46 record. I don't know how many innings, but that's a lot of innings and a pretty damn good ERA. He was a superstar there. So maybe they're thinking he can be a sub-4 ERA guy. Mm-hmm. That's what they're paying him. 
He's basically the Steven Matz replacement from last year, though, that the Jays had. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Not not really that big of a deal. We're probably talking about it too much just because Isaac and I are Blue Jays fans. Um, the big guy that they got, Matt Chapman, mm-hmm. trade f- with the Oakland A's. It took four prospects to get him. Only one of those prospects is really highly valued by the Blue Jays system. And, I mean, I like the deal. Even the even the guy that was highly valued by the Jays system, um, Gunnar Hoagland, he was a starting pitcher. He's had some injury problems. So there's definitely the potential there for uh, that to just be, you know, <laughs> not a miss for the Jays anyways, um, depending on how his career plays out. But if you're the Oakland Athletics, I mean, you knew you were going to sell Matt Chapman and clearly this is the best return they could get. So I guess a win for both sides. The Jays obviously improved their defense significantly by adding a platinum Glover to the, to the defensive alignment. They also get a guy who has hit some homers over his career coming off probably his worst season. Um, at least in terms of like batting average, he batted like 210 last year, but he was also battling uh, a hip issue pretty much all season. He was- so. He was also battling a shitty lineup, I think. Like he's he was hitting in the mm-hmm. what four or five hole in the on the Jays. They can kind of yeah. they can hide him a little lower in the order and maybe t- feels a little less pressure because you got the Vlads and the Springers that are going to take uh, take a lot of the attention. And maybe you can be a diamond in the rough guy on offense too. Come up with a big hit here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think hiding him in a, a lineup with good hitters is definitely something that is is worth considering also the ballpark upgrade going from oakland to toronto the rogers center definitely an upgrade in terms of uh you know yeah you're you're improving your batting statistics they have so much like foul ground in oakland that it all often results in like a lot more outs that would normally just go into the crowd so I would also yeah. go on record as saying the Matt Chapman deal from an outsider's perspective, the Matt Chapman deal will be the most impactful signing or trade of the off season for all teams. Wow. Wow. Of be- all teams. Of all, all moves made. It will be the most impactful. So I'll use an, a couple oh examples here. You have Freddie Freeman of the Dodgers. That gives you an incredible hitter to a lineup that's already an incredibly well-hitting lineup. You really you mar- you get marginally better. It's Freddie Freeman, of course, but you're adding to something that's already a plus of yours. With Matt Chapman, you're adding a platinum glove third baseman to a an infield that needs defense. Like obviously, Bo Bichette's a guy that's not going to be as dependable as a Matt Chapman on that left side of the infield. Mm-hmm. You get you improve on an area that needed significant improvement. You get signings like Trevor Story to the Red Sox. Playing second base, he's a an offensive threat in a lineup that is gonna produce offense already. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my take. That's my I like that, Greg. take. I never really thought of that, but that's a that's a good call. I mean, and I guess when you consider the Mets too, last year going into the season, I, the thing that I automatically think of is Max Scherzer to the Mets, uh, which happened way back. Um, but Max Scherzer to the Mets seems so impactful. But really, when you looked at the Mets rotation going into the 2021 season, you're like, damn, this is pretty nice. They had a good rotation going into 2021. They still have Jacob deGrom. Like you said, they're adding that. The Jays had a big hole at third base, and they had a big hole defensively. 
and they found someone to fill that. So I, I get what you're saying. I think that's a really, honestly, a good take. <laughs> Not that I'm surprised nice. that you had a good take, <laughs> but I, <laughs> I like it. Um, makes me feel good as a Jays fan too. Um, Matt Chapman also hit a home run today in spring training. So yeah. take that for what you will. Uh, Vladdy also homered in his first a- AB. That was pretty cool. Greg, you want to talk about your about your Yankees? Sure. On it. So I'll add a, a note of impactful signings or deals of the offseason. The only thing that would have beat the Matt Chapman deal to the Jays' most impactful would have been if the Yankees got an elite defensive and offensive shortstop, which they didn't do. They got a they got a, a band-aid. Oh, I'll call him a band-aid solution in Isaiah Kiner Falefa that you can throw in at short. Anyone is an upgrade over Glaber Torres defensively. Maybe he'll keep up some offensive numbers. I don't know. And then you get, uh, I would still consider Donaldson an elite or above average level third baseman um, at the hot corner where you had Gio Rochella, who was a great glove, great defender, but I think he had a fluke offensive breakout year that will not happen again. Whereas Josh Donaldson can make it rain metaphorically a little more consistently bring the offense He's also a spark the bringer plug. of rain. Yeah. He's a spark plug for the offense too. a guy who can hit anywhere in the lineup, except maybe lead off. Um, so I, I really like the move and the Yankees finally got rid of the absolute bum Gary Sanchez behind the plate. I can confidently say that he was a waste of money and time now that he's gone. Wow. Yeah. Strong words. I would tend to agree that I actually really like this deal for the Yankees. I thought a lot of people were really hating on it, and so many people were focusing on the fact that they gave up Gio Urshela. And it's like, you gave up Gio Urshela, but look at the third baseman you got back to replace him. is Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, there's injury risk there for sure, but he's going to rake when he's playing in in New York. I'm very confident that Josh Donaldson, when he's on the field in New York this season, is going to slug the shit out of the ball. He's going to hit a lot of home runs. Agreed. Isaac, do you agree, Isaac? Yes. Yeah. I think he's <laughs> yes. he's also he's also a guy, I think that adds a lot like when the team that he's playing on is competitive, he like ups his game. Like that's that's kind of I think Josh Donaldson is one of those guys that, like, mentally, if the team's not in it, it's harder for him to be, like, super engaged. So I think that going to a team that's competing for a postseason spot, I'm not going to say a World Series, competing for a postseason spot uh, is <laughs> is definitely, like, it's a good fit for him, for sure. Also, um, before we pass over this uh, deal, I noticed that the Yankees, after trading Gary Sanchez here, have stocked up on ex-catchers. Donaldson, ex-catcher with the A's. Connor Falefa, sure. ex-catcher with, what was it, the Rangers? So just some yeah. extra extra security just in case. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, the other guy they got from the Twins is, like, Ben Rorvit mm-hmm. or something. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, but he's also, like, a very defensive-minded catcher. Yeah. So it's probably looking like it's going to be him and Higashioka behind the plate for you guys so they're basically punting offense at the catcher position which is so funny because getting rid of gary sanchez like this is the they were so upset with how bad he was offense or defensively because the whole time there's just all this promise right about how how good he was going to be offensively so then there it, the defense was so bad though they've just completely given up 
on wanting offense from their catchers now and have just completely seek defense. So I think that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I didn't really this this trade for the twins was kind of funny because Isaiah Kiner Falefa they had literally just got him. <laughs> it was uh, Mitch Garver went to from the twins to Texas and they got back Isaiah Kiner Falefa and then less than twenty four hours the twins flipped him to New York. So I thought that was kind of kind of funny. Um, Did you hear what happened I like, with his car? Who Kiner Falefa? No. <laughs> he had from Texas. He had his car shipped to I guess Minnesota and it got to Minnesota when he got to New York so it had to be forwarded from Minnesota over to over to New York because he got dealt so fast man the organization better handle those costs that's all I gotta say yeah man got screwed over but I think he'd he'd probably rather be with the Yankees though I'm sure yeah than Minnesota um yeah i mean i thought that was kind of an interesting deal glad we talked about that also while we're on the topic of the yankees anthony rizzo back with them Mm -hmm. uh i said to greg in the group chat washed this is a nothing deal this does nothing for the yankees really he disagrees i do disagree i think getting rizzo or keeping rizzo i guess over luke voigt is a move in the right direction you get playoff Mm -hmm. experience on a team that lately hasn't done well in the playoffs guy who's won a world series i think he's the only one on the team right now that has a world series ring if just thinking off the top of my head um you have a guy not only the locker room but plays great defense again they're stressing defense this offseason and a guy who can hit anywhere in the order so i think right now they have him slotted as a leadoff hitter i don't know who else in the yankees lineup because they're they're more of a power lineup overall i don't know who else would hit leadoff because aaron hicks is a bum and shouldn't be on the team anymore uh, that's my take he'll only be there for like the first 15 games of the season or something if he makes it through spring training <laughs> yeah. that, that aaron hicks is literally one of the most injury prone players ever yeah yeah i like the rizzo signing that's all i'll say I just think that he's basically a defense now. Like, he's not going to do much for you offensively. I guess you have the short porch in right field at Yankee Stadium. Anyone can hit a home run there if they're left-handed, basically, is is, is what they strive for. So, uh, you know, I, I guess it's it's not terrible. I always thought that Luke Voigt was kind of underrated, and maybe I'm I'm looking into that too much. But he did lead the Mickey Mouse season in home runs, and has shown significant power and still batted around like 260 270 for most of his career i think that he's an underrated hitter he went to the padres uh in a trade who did they get back just some pitching prospect right so he had really bad numbers in his first minor league year last year i think his name is justin lang um or long and he was a number eight ranked prospect uh the year he was drafted and I think he and maybe he was pick number eight, something like that. And he was number two pitcher in the Padres system. But he had an ERA of 695 last year in high A, I think, uh, and a 1.5 whip, 0-3 record. I don't like that. But he is only 20, so he could pan out. Okay. I mean, the, the Padres found their DH. I think that's where Voigt is destined to be. A guy that has had some injury problems, so you just stick him at DH and forget about it. You got Hosmer, who is not a great offensive first baseman at this point in his career, but is a very good defender. I think it's a, I think it's a good fit, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to a couple bigger deals, I would say. Um, although I guess the Yankees, the Donaldson deal was pretty big, but um, 
The Mariners pick up Jesse Winker and Eugenio Suarez. Love this deal for them. Eugenio Suarez, in my opinion, kind of fills that Kyle Seeger gap that they had there. And then Jesse Winker adds to an already pretty impressive young outfield core and kind of brings more more experience, I guess. Him and him and Hanager are now kind of the two more experienced guys, and they've got room to slot in some some younger dudes. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure their their outfield will probably be the ones mostly rotating through the through the DH slot because they've they've got some outfield depth for sure. Where's the room for Julio Rodriguez? He is he coming up this year? Because seeing the roster now, there's no room for him. I know that's the interesting thing, right? Like you you look at it and it's like okay, you've got Haniger, maybe I guess you stick Haniger at DH, maybe. and then you have Winker. Kalanick and I guess you could have well Kyle they've Lewis. got a uh, Kyle Lewis is back exactly so <laughs> it's it is rough like I don't really know where they slot them I guess someone is maybe maybe Kalanick this year is going to actually spend more time in the minors is that possible I don't know I don't know about we'll that see. Julio maybe Rodriguez Julio's maybe DH will just be blocked for a while until there's an injury maybe that's what we're going to see I know you don't want to I know you don't want to put a, a rookie in the DH spot but you want Julio's bat above everything. Mm-hmm. I, I think know. if they're going to compete, I think they're going to want to bring him up. I know Kellenic had a, re- a horrendous start with the Mariners last yeah. season, but you saw how Wander Franco went with Tampa Bay. Julio Rodriguez could be that side of it. Could mm-hmm. be better than Kellenic was. Yep, He's probably in between both of them, but... Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. I I feel like injuries will probably present opportunity. That's generally the case. Um, Winker spent some time on the IL last year. Hanager has spent a lot of time on the IL in his career, albeit through uh, a good number of fluky injuries. But You're going to have to teach one of them to play in the infield. <laughs> That's all I get. Because Eugenio yeah. Suarez is not the answer, I don't think. Eh. I don't think he's that much of a downgrade from Kyle Seager. I think he's pretty on par. Seager was yes. a better defensive third baseman, I guess. He had, a, yes, a bad year is putting it nicely. He had one of the worst years in MLB history for a full season. So a bad year. Is this is this true? Yes. Do you have evidence to back this up? Um, seeing that his on-base percentage was 286 uh, and his OPS plus was 80. It's uh, it's ugly. It's ugly, Yikes. and that's 145 games. So that's how many not, strikeouts? It's not like, have? let me see, strikeouts. Over 200. It's got to be. 171. Oh, that's actually not as many. Which is not that. the highest of his career, which is even cons- is even more <laughs> concerning. Oh God. <laughs> I I I want to see his hard hit. I don't know. Isaac, I know you you were a Eugenio Suarez fan for a couple years because he was kind of undervalued in fantasy and you could kind Mm -hmm. of pick him up later and he provided some good value for you. But he made a switch, what, a year or two ago to just be full-on selling out for power and it kind of fucked him over. His launch angle jumped way up in 2019, even though 2019 he had a really good year. But then he launched it even higher in 2020, and that's when he saw a 70-point drop on his batting average. And he never cracked 800 OPS again 
for the past two seasons. Uh, they moved him over to shortstop, which put additional pressure on him, and he was bad. And I think I feel like maybe there is some potential here if he can go back to third base, if he can bring back what he did from 2017 to 2019. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. I still think it's a good trade. Like from what I looked mm-hmm. into, they didn't really give up any top prospects or anything to make this happen. And I like I like the Jesse Winker signing, and mm-hmm. I think Eugenio Suarez is is worth taking a chance on for sure. Yeah, I have to agree. I I started that poorly and ended that. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, how about the Phillies? They signed a couple guys. I know you are higher on the Phillies than both Isaac and I are. Is this because of the Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber signings? It helps. I think defense <laughs> defense is something that can improve and can be fixed, and they've always been knocked for their defense. I guess statistically the last couple of years they've been dead last or close to in most defensive categories in the MLB. Horrendous. De- definitely doesn't help, but... When you have pitchers like Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, who are perennial Cy Young candidates, talent-wise, not to say it happens all the time, but um, two guys that are great one-two punch in the rotation, and you got the former MVP, you got the best catcher in baseball, and that's an average, you know, offense and defense. At with uh, JT, you got guys mm-hmm. like Reese Hoskins who can play multiple positions, Castellanos, uh, first base and outfield, yeah. corner outfield, yeah. Um, I think the lineup looks really good. I forget if they uh, re-signed Didi Gregorius or not. Backstory, I am the biggest Didi Gregorius fan uh, potentially in Canada. Because when he played for the Yankees, he was an absolute stud filling in for Derek Jeter. Won't get into it. Big Didi fan. If he's still there, I think the team, not to foreshadow here my top 10, but I think that team should be considered a top 10. Greg, I think you know that I'm a Didi Gregorius fan as well. Are you? I used to think... Yeah, I am. I I love lefty lefty hitters, um, and he kind of. I always. I don't know why I had this comp, but he kind of reminded me of of Curtis Granderson, just his his plate approach and the kind of a bit of a uppercut type of swing, <laughs> like kind of hooking it down the line there. Um, I also thought that he had a laser of an arm from shortstop. Yeah. He out of all the guys I used to watch like frequently, obviously him being in the Blue Jays division, I, I see a lot of the Yankees. He, it always surprised me. Like He was always taking his time with the ball and then just fired an absolute cannon over to first base. He had he has one of the better arms I've seen from a shortstop, um, at least in the prime of his defensive career. He's got range. He was exhibit A of benefiting from the short porch in right field in Yankee Stadium. Because you see that he's got, I'm biased, but one of the best swings to watch. He smacks that ball and it looks like it's a line drive and it's out. It's gone. Short porch home run. And he was mm-hmm. like exhibit a uh, commercial. I don't know why I'm getting at here. Great player. <laughs> one of my favorite guys. He's also Big from the, fan. I think he's from the Netherlands or he's Dutch or something like that, which if you, if you watch him yeah, in he's interviews, born in Amsterdam. Yeah. If you watch him in interviews, funniest guy to watch, but I digress. Huh. Interesting. Um, I actually think that the Phillies of all the National League teams that benefit from having a designated hitter, I think that the Phillies are the biggest benefactor, basically, of the de- designated hitter being implemented. If you look last year at Bryce Harper, do you guys remember? I don't know how many Phillies games you tuned into, but 
He was banged up last year, and he still put together a great season, even though he was grinding through a bunch of different injuries. Um, Having him be able to slot into a designated hitter role last season would have helped him so much and in turn helped the team. And they have a lot of guys that are not good defensively um, that would probably benefit defensively from putting, like having a day off in the DH hole and, you know, getting to kind of get your feet back underneath you before going back out into the field. I think that the Phillies of all teams in baseball are the biggest benefactors of the universal designated hitter. Good point. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that take. I'd say the the Dodgers would be maybe number two on that list because with <laughs> just because of all the power. Yeah, Max Muncie and Freddie Freeman. You you throw one at first and then the other one DHs. Mm-hmm. You get Gavin Lux in there at second base. Yeah, yeah, they're they're nasty, man. They're fucking nasty. Okay, I gotta catch my breath. Someone talk about what happened in Atlanta with our favorite Canadian and uh, a new guy. Wait, say that again. Sorry, I was reading about Albert Pujols. <laughs> Useless. I guess I will just do it myself. Freddie Freeman is gone. There was all these rumors swirling that maybe he would go back to Atlanta. Didn't happen. That was made apparent when Matt Olson was signed. Or traded, actually, sorry. Traded to the mm. Braves from the Oakland Athletics. Everyone knew it was over at that point. And then very, very shortly after, signed an eight-year deal with the Braves for $182 million, which I believe, if my math is correct, which often it isn't, is $22.5 million per year. You got it. Can, I got it? Nice. Okay. Uh, and then Freeman, obviously, after this, we'll, we'll, we'll get it back to the Braves, but Freeman goes to the Dodgers for on a six-year $162 million which is $27 million per year. So basically $4.5 million more per year at less term, basically, mm-hmm. as well. The Braves could have got back Freddie Freeman. So why the hell did they not? Not only the $22 million that they signed per year, they just went and signed Kenley Jansen mm-hmm. a couple days after for $16 million for a single season, which is a, a very steep price for a guy that's five years past his prime. Now, I have a couple of thoughts, a couple of theories. One of one was maybe Freddie Freeman wanted to go back, to, wanted to go home. He wanted to be in California. He wanted to be in L.A. That was a thought that maybe he was picking... LA and he was choosing to leave another thought is Matt Olson was in the works and Matt Olson is an upgrade on Freddie Freeman based on where they are in the career I'd rather have Freddie Freeman in Atlanta at age 27 I believe as opposed to Freddie Freeman in his 30s now I think this is going to work in Atlanta's favor as sad and upsetting as it is to watch Freddie Freeman walk away, I don't disagree with this move now, looking into it. I think from what I heard, the problem with re-signing Freddie, also just so you know, I do agree with you. I think I'd take the the Olsen signing as well if I'm the Braves. But I think the problem with the Freeman deal was 
the Braves didn't get the approval from the the higher ups. I'm talking Alex Anthopoulos here. Didn't get approval to offer more than five years, and Freddie wanted six, and then it just it just didn't work after that. That sixth year though is just like a it. it that's a a weird point to me. Like I like I know that's that was kind of the report, and it's just odd that it's one extra year. And not to mention, most of this money in this contract is deferred. So there's like $12 million a year that's being deferred to be paid after his retirement or after his career in deeper years. So I, I don't know. It's very interesting to me. It's yeah. Jacob, what's your take here? I don't know. You guys are making very solid points. I really was sad to see Freddie leave Atlanta. I mean, that's not really a hot take. I feel like that's pretty much everyone. Just pulling up their numbers from last season only, uh, like you said, Isaac Matt Chapman, 27, Freddie Freeman, 31. Um, man, their numbers are very... They're not identical, but they are kind of similar. Um, Chapman has the edge last year, home runs, RBI, OPS. Uh, Freeman has the edge and batting average and runs scored just to clarify which is not so you said olsen Ol- first olsen or right? chapman olsen okay olsen had more home runs last year <laughs> okay there you go well i said chapman yeah you said chapman oh my bad yeah definitely talking about olsen here <laughs> um yeah the, the numbers are more in line than i thought i really thought that uh, i didn't realize matt matt olsen had as good of a season as he did last year. I knew he had a good year. factor in the parks as well. Yeah, it's true. Truist Field is is seemingly a very hitter-friendly ballpark. And, uh, yeah, I mean. Now, I I remember, like, our thought was, oh, Atlanta's not going to spend money. Even though they won the World Series, we were calling them cheap. And then they traded for Matt Olson. And and then they signed him for 182 million dollars and you're like oh this team's not afraid to spend some money mm-hmm. and then that brought up the questions of why this freddie freeman thing isn't working out and the five years that extra year may have been may have been the difference it could have been the deferred money or it could have been freeman walking away saying he wanted to go home but mm-hmm. i think now we know where atlanta's intentions are and that is focused on the winning as of now and a couple years down the line when freeman won't be I mean, he, maybe he will be one of those players that just progresses and continues raking in his mid to late 30s. But we don't know that. All we know is Matt Olson is there through his entire prime. I think the fact that Olson was signed to an eight mil, or an eight-year deal pretty much immediately when he landed there kind of bodes well for your argument that or conspiracy that maybe Freeman actually was one of the main contributing factors in leaving Atlanta as much as it probably pained him. And I'm sure he has good memories there. Maybe that was the biggest reason because clearly they weren't afraid to spend the money. Like you said, Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a four year age gap between the two of them, but eight years is still a long time for anybody really to, to sign them. And they didn't need to do that. They could have had him on this season at his, way less AAV contract that he was on with the A's um, when he came over. They could have kept him on that and just competed just for this year, but they decided to lock him up mm-hmm. long-term. So clearly they weren't too scared of commitment. So 
Very, I think Olsen, Olsen is a real contender to win the home run crown in the National League this year. I think he probably will win, to be honest. And I think that will put a lot of this to rest where Matt Olsen will probably be the more effective player going forward. Mm-hmm. Olsen is also an elite, probably the best defensive first baseman in baseball, I would say. Very, very they had good. some nasty corners in Oakland. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, Chapman yeah. and Olsen was uh was pretty pretty happy. I know uh Dallas Braden, obviously the uh the commentator for the Oakland Athletics, devastated to see both of these guys go. He talked about them all the time <laughs> for how good their corners were and now they're both gone. But uh yeah. Say mm. la vie. That's how it goes in Oakland. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Um, where else do we need to go? Uh, the Cubs. This is such a downgrade from what we just <laughs> talked about. The Cubs sign uh, Seiya Suzuki and Jonathan VR. Um, Seiya Suzuki, for those of you who are unaware, is, was a star in the Nippon Professional Baseball League in Japan. Gold Glover, uh, like big time slugger, MVP caliber type of player over there. He was like basically the best player in Japan last year. Um, and there's been rumors for a couple years of him potentially coming over to the States. But I think that with everything happening with the pandemic and stuff and the uncertainty with, you know, shortened seasons and no crowds in attendance and all of that type of stuff that was happening here, I think he probably was just avoiding coming over uh, during all that. And now seemingly things are a little more stable. So uh, I guess that's why he came over. So I'm, I'm interested. Like, I wonder if the Cubs were very interested in him pre-pandemic and have just kind of been waiting until to have that stability as well. Um, I'm This is a guy I'm actually very excited to see. I know a lot of the time we get uh, these like Japanese imports and they don't end up panning out in the major league in major league baseball despite the success that they had in Japan. Um, but this guy presents like significant, skill set so i'm very interested to see if it will translate um also interested as to why the cubs are are signing people randomly like this i don't get it either same goes for jonathan vr as well yeah vr okay it's fine it's a roster filler (laughs) i guess yeah but i'm looking at like Suzuki and I'm looking still deeply at this Marcus Stroman deal. This is three years. They signed him to a three year seventy one million dollars. High A high AAV. The highest of the of Robbie Ray and Kevin Gosman. Marcus Stroman is making more per year. That's stupid. For three years. For three years. Where what are the Cubs? Like for real? I don't know. Like are they I don't have contenders an answer at all during this contract? I I don't understand. If you look at their division, like let's let's see, where are they in their division? Do you think at the end of the year? The, you're looking, the division's <laughs> slightly last. open. Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs probably going to be the thing there. Then you get Reds, Pirates maybe. So uh. they're looking at like third in their division. Like I don't think they're competing for maybe a wild card. Maybe they're going card for a wild card spot. Maybe they are because that division isn't. The best. The the top two in the division are pretty good, but outside of that, you got three potential bottom feeders. Yeah. 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 I don't know. It's just such a... The Cubs are very confusing to me. 
I don't know if it's literally just a deal that like, you know, Cubs fans are so loyal to their team and stuff. They're going to be showing up all the time. So give them at least a little something to cheer for so that the team's Someone not with energy. complete ass. Like a team that's competing for to be potentially mm-hmm. a 500 ball club. So that like half the time people are there, they're they're getting winning baseball and getting to hoist that hoist that flag out there and sing uh what was what's they sing Sweet Caroline at the end? No, that's not right. That's boss. They have like what the hell is the song that they sing at Wrigley Isaac? They have their own song. I don't know. We're bad we're bad podcast hosts for not knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> We've been I've been there twice too and we sang the song. At least one of those times. So that's uh not ideal. But <laughs> anyways, uh, we can move away from the Cubs because, like we said, they are not that exciting. They're just kind of weird. Um, another team that is kind of weird, but also that we like, the Kansas City Royals have a reunion with Zach Greinke. I see. Anyone have any sort of input on this? I see this <laughs> as a, a last hurrah. As soon as he starts declining, if he starts the year, let's say 0-3 and you know, high ERA, he'll just call it quits, retire as a Royal. But if he's hot and he's pitching well, maybe he'll just ride the year out and then retire. Mm. This is a Royal deal. Like it's a, it's a Kansas city Royal deal. This is what they do. They keep pitchers and players as long as possible. And when they get away, they'll try to bring them back eventually one day to retire as a Kansas city Royal. That team has more loyalty than any other franchise in any sport. I would agree. Yeah, I love this deal. I I love this deal. I don't. It doesn't make an impact whatsoever in life. It's perfect for Zach Granke. Zach Granke doesn't seem to care to compete or anything. He's always been that guy. Is like he he's he does his own thing. He doesn't seem to like he like he picks grass. He's like kid, uh, that five year old kid sitting in the outfield picking dandelions when everyone else is playing baseball. He's that guy, and he did it and turned professional. And now he's retiring as a Kansas City Royal. This is perfect. Yeah. The only disappointing thing is, well, I guess it doesn't matter. I was going to say, I like seeing Zach Greinke hit. He's actually a decent hitter. I would have liked to see him in the National League, but the National League has a designated hitter now, so yeah. irrelevant. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, we, Isaac and I talked about this uh, last week or earlier this week, I mean, and we were both saying, like, you, you look at, like, Alex Gordon and Sal Perez, like, they have loyalty to these guys. Mm. Tell us about Chris Bryant going to the Rockies, somebody. All right, I got it. Uh, seven years, $182 million. I don't get it. I don't get why. I don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. It Maybe it's one of the, another one of those sell-off moves, but if it is a sell-off move, you'd sign... Seven-year deal? Yeah, you'd sign him to a better contract if, it, if you meant to sell. So I don't get... Maybe he just really, really, really wanted Colorado. Maybe he's into the ganja. I don't know. I maybe. think maybe maybe he knows his Hall of Fame case isn't quite where he wanted it. And now he's going to have a huge boosted offensive profile. And he was like, all right, I'm taking this. I want this case in Cooperstown. And even though Rockies seem to get um, be, be disadvantaged when it comes to Cooperstown. But seven years, it gives him a lot of time to rebuild and build around Chris Bryant. So... Maybe I get it. This team's still a bottom feeder, but maybe in two years it won't be. To me, yeah. to me, Chris Bryant isn't on the Hall of Fame radar. Now, maybe I'm overlooking that or overlooking some aspects, but I, 
I don't think no, no matter what he does in Colorado, unless he wins back-to-back MVPs and puts up 40 bombs, 50 bombs a year and takes them to the playoffs. I don't think he's got a case for the hall of fame. Oh, he has seven years to do it. <laughs> maybe <laughs> yeah. you will. Yeah, maybe <laughs> whatever. Well, Chris Bryant came into the league hotter than anyone. One rookie of the year. Then the next year in 2016, won the MVP. Uh, he got the, in 2017, he was seventh in MVP voting. So obviously that's not like huge, but still Let's not forget he is a face of the franchise that won their first World Series after 108 years. Mm-hmm. That's something right there. It's something. Yeah. I, I still now, don't think it's look, enough. Look, this deal could have been the biggest. This Chris Bryan signing could have been the biggest signing of the year. Could have been. But then he signed in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. It was so confusing. I <laughs> I kind of, like, I get it for him, I guess. Um like Isaac said, a good place to, to pad your hitting stats. Um, though, as he mentioned, and I was going to say if he didn't, it does seem like people are kind of disadvantaged in terms of Hall of, Fo- Hall of Fame voting if they have tremendous success in Colorado. Uh, you see it with like Todd Helton right now. He'll probably end up making it into the Hall of Fame, but he has unbelievable, some unbelievable seasons in the books, Todd Helton does. And just overall career numbers too, 953 OPS. I'm talking about 414 on base percentage, 316 average. The dude was mammoth. And for most other places, if he didn't play in Colorado and put up these numbers with like, say the Dodgers, if he put up these numbers with the Dodgers, he is in the Hall of Fame first ballot. Yeah. Undoubtedly. So the fact that he's, you know, going to be kind of last minute in, uh, it's just that's that's the way things go for Colorado hitters. So um, now, yeah. Now another point for Chris Bryant going to Colorado is he's a Vegas-born player. He's maybe it's a little bit it's a little bit closer to home. So maybe there's something there too, like the thinner air. <laughs> there's yeah. no team in Vegas, so I mean, it's an option. I also think he's kind of a guy that. Due to all of the things that he went through early, like the MVP and the Rookie of the Year, uh, there was so many. I believe he's a first overall pick too. No, um, someone can look that up, I guess. But it just, you know, I don't know. It yeah, first round, second overall, second overall uh, by the Cubs in in 2013. So he's had so he's someone that's dealt with a ton of pressure throughout his career. Uh, uh, overwhelming pressure to succeed and be a complete superstar. You go to a place like Colorado that's not competitive right now. He, you don't really have to worry about it as much. You're not so much in the spotlight. And maybe that's something he was looking for. He didn't want to go to maybe like a, a really big market team like the Yankees or even the Blue Jays at this point um, and have to deal with all that. Maybe he just wanted to kind of settle down a little more. But yeah. for the Rockies, no, from the Rockies' perspective, that's where I'm confused. Is you got rid of Nolan Arenado, who could have been this guy for you, the guy that you have right now in Chris Bryant. You could have had Arenado be that guy for you. Why didn't you? Why did you let him go and then bring Chris Bryant back? That's the biggest confusing thing, most confusing thing to me. Um, Trevor Story, I think, is kind of a different case because not the same type of perennial 
all-star caliber type player as Chris Bryant or Nolan Arenado. But man, just very confusing to me, this deal. Another confusing deal. (laughs) Carlos Correa goes to the Minnesota Twins. What are your initial thoughts on this? I think that the Twins are holding on to the success they had, what was it, two years ago where they won the division, and then last year they're expected to be really good, top of the league again, fell apart, had a dumpster fire of a season, and they're thinking to get back to that point, the piece they're missing is Correa. So I think management thinks they're better than they actually are, which they have a decent lineup, but they also have Miguel Sano as their first baseman. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of, I wouldn't say they blew it up, but they traded Donaldson and what was Isaiah Connor falefa and Mitch Garver, uh, and now have Gio Rochella, and they have uh, basically a cardboard box as a catcher. <laughs> yes. Like, I think Carlos, I mean, sorry, the Minnesota Twins have been underachieving for a number of years now when they should have had, this. they should have been a win now team two years ago. And they weren't, and as you said, they fell off last season. This three-year contract puts them back in place where they think that they they can achieve, and it gives them a three-year timeline. Not much risk involved in a three-year contract. So $105 million is fine. They have the money and have the space at this Mm -hmm. time that if they don't win it this year, they're going to be in contention next year. I mean, obviously not going to be good this year. But next year and the third year, and if it doesn't work out, then you flip them in that third year. But it gives them a two year. It gives them two years to see what they have. So I don't think this is a bad deal. It's all jerseys too. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I guess. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what Who else to say about a this Carlos deal. Carlos Correa jersey. <laughs> Not me. That's for sure. Yeah. But Twins fans, I'm sure there's going to mm. be some. There will be some sold. Eventually, I. I mean, I eventually bought a Springer shirt, so. There you go. You got over it. I also, you know, season two of Diamond Gems, I just want to say, I've been telling Jasmine this and she doesn't believe that I'll actually do it, but I really think that I'm going to get over the whole Astros thing this year. This is going to be the season where I turn the other cheek. Yeah, you are a liar. That's not going to happen. We've been telling you for so long to get over it. Like, you just, uh, you're not. You're a bitch. It's fine. I'm over it. We know who you are. You hold grudges. Listen. You're a petty little... I'm still going to hate Carlos Correa, but I'm not going to hate Carlos Correa because of the fact that he cheated. I'm going to hate Carlos Correa because I think that he's an annoying human being. Okay. I, ju- I jump fair? on that wagon. I agree. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, have fun in Minnesota. Carlos Correa, you're probably going to hate the cold. Bring a sweater. Yeah. Coming from Houston. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not sure how his Miss Texas wife or whatever is going to like Minnesota either, but... Yeah, they're divorcing anyways. It's fine. Yeah. It is what he it probably is. cheated on her. <laughs> <laughs> Just starting absolutely vicious rumors. <laughs> Confirmed. Uh, yeah. Confirmed. Yeah. I'll put I'll put the post up right after this. All right. Uh, they also signed Sonny Gray. Oh, uh, you're a home wrecker. Kind of interesting. Anyway. I guess. Not Who that knows? interesting. Who knows what Sonny Gray actually is? Like he, he pitched in Colorado. It's still up in the air. It's different from year to year, man. The guy varies from season to season. I was listening to a fantasy podcast, and they were basically saying that Sonny Gray 
is basically like. Oh wait, I was thinking John Gray for a second. My bad. John, John Gray, Gray went to Texas. Sonny Gray. <laughs> yes. I wasn't gonna correct you because I'm like maybe Sonny Gray did play in Colorado. No, I don't he did not. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> he was Oakland and then Cincinnati and then he was here, New York. I believe now New York in there too. Oh yeah, yeah he was New York as well. Yeah. God awful. Um, but basically they were saying like he he's a guy that like if he falls out of tempo at some point in the season he can't get it back. So if he continues on throughout the season at like a like if he can keep what he's doing, he'll be good. But if he falls off, he's not getting back on. So that's kind of an interesting, interesting uh, theory, I guess. Um, as we mentioned, they also got Gary Sanchez. <laughs> Good luck uh, with that. We had to talk about these. Gio Urshela. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Last deal. Got rid of JD. Yeah. Last deal before we move on to the power rankings. Trevor Story. This one just came through today. Trevor Story to the Boston Red Sox. How do you guys feel about this? I feel like I feel better about it than you do. So why don't you give your negativity or whatever first, and then I'll be a nice positive light at the end of the tunnel. For- I just don't care. I don't th- see this as a special deal. Like it, I'm not a huge – I've never been a huge on Trevor Story. Um, I mean, he'll he'll be very good in 2023 when the shifts are eliminated. Uh, Go for it. I just say fuck the Red Sox. It didn't make sense in their lineup. They're not really, really getting a huge upgrade. I think he will underperform. He'll be a disappointment, a waste of a lot of money. They will deal him maybe year two or three for for pennies on the dollar. I'm, yeah. Xander Bogarts is your franchise shortstop there. You got Rafi Devers at third base. Big Bob the heartthrob at first. Um, second base is a throwaway position and now they just put a guy who's who's overachieved in a hitter's ballpark that's going to underachieve now um yeah have at it jacob you guys are wrong this is a great deal for the red Sox. he's gonna play second base now one of his problems has actually been that he has some elbow troubles he's had flare-ups of tendonitis in his elbow throughout his career Moving him to second base helps that issue. Secondly, yes, he's not in Colorado anymore. It's true. But you see sometimes that leaving Colorado when the home road splits are actually very dramatic can actually help people because the thing you don't realize is when you are in Colorado, everything is like easier to hit. But then when you go on the road, it makes things that much harder because everything looks so much nastier and you don't have time to adjust because you're constantly going back and forth. I think that Trevor Story is a good enough hitter that he can make the adjustment. He might have a bit of a slow start to the season, but I think he's going to be able to turn things around and end up having a pretty solid season. He's a pull hitter in the best park that you could be a pull hitter. Fenway Park with the Second Green Monster best. is a perfect fit for him. Best part to be a pull hitter as a lefty in Yankee Stadium. Okay. I meant pull right-handed hitter. Yeah, I'd agree. Are you not thinking that he's going to hit a bunch of balls, doubles and stuff off the wall, homers over the green monster? I think that this is... Doubles. I thought he would do that in in, uh, Colorado. Listen, I think that this is a good deal for the Red Sox. I think you guys made a good signing. We will see. I'm also keeping One Trevor Story us. this year in my fantasy league, so I might pay the price. Ooh. 
We'll see. Either two of us are going to be very wrong or very right. Somebody here is wrong about Trevor's story. It's true. He was an, a completely average hitter in 2021. Yep. I think he's a bit of a... He was also on a shit Colorado team that wasn't doing anything and gave him... No yeah, but in a Colorado game. venue. Yeah. We'll see. I think he's a we'll bit see. of a diva, too. I don't think that's true. I've seen some, I've what, seen some what, interviews. What's your... Uh, just got me to watch the interviews. He just, he just holds yes. himself like someone who thinks... I mean, he's pretty good athlete but he just thinks he's better than whoever's talking to him that's the vibe i get he hasn't actually done anything maybe i'm just salty because he didn't go to new york i don't know the yankees <laughs> if, he, if he had gone to new york greg is like this is the perfect fit for him he's gonna make the adjustments he's gonna be great but now because he went to the red Sox, greg is the biggest trevor story hater in the world yeah i'm pissed because now we trevor story just isn't exciting now the yankees and the jays i guess have to see the red Sox offensive lineup a lot and I don't like that. Yep. But sure. that also means you get yep. to see their pitching, which is atrocious to say the least. <laughs> Those games will be like 11 to 10. By the second yeah. inning. Every game. <laughs> By the second. <laughs> yeah. Well, guys, when it's all said and done, who do you think had the best offseason this year? kind of putting you on the spot i don't think i told you ahead of time that we were going to do this i can give you mine right now if you want if you don't have an answer ready and you can think about it fire away i would say my one two would be number one the mets they get max scherzer starling Marte, eduardo escobar chris bassett those are big signings i think um for them anyways i think that they needed someone in their lineup like a starling Marte that could steal some bases, um, and then obviously you add some depth and really, really dominant pitching in Max Scherzer. Uh, Eduardo Escobar is kind of just an under-the-radar good utility guy, and Bassett is just a good 3-4 in a rotation, and I think that it's a good fit there. Second would be the Dodgers, I think, just because they got Freddie Freeman and mm. they brought Clayton Kershaw back. And they lost Kenley Jansen. Yeah. I, I I don't think Kenley Jansen is that big of a loss. I know. Yeah. But it's still $16 million. I have my answer. All right. Well, who do you have then? You want to go ahead, Isaac? Greg. No, me? All right. No, Greg. I have two for best offseason. I also have a worst offseason. Okay. I I don't know if I'd take heat for this, but worst offseason I would give to the Texas Rangers. I think wow. over, oh. overpaid for Semyon and Seager. I think they're going to be... Maybe the, my theme today is just being mad about things, but <laughs> and people are overpaid, people are overrated. I think they're overpaid and overrated. Texas doesn't get... They get better, but they're not going to be a playoff contender. I think it was a waste of money. I don't think they're going to build around them. I think it's just thrown away money maybe to sell jerseys. So worst, in my opinion, Texas Rangers. Best, I would say wow. Blue Jays and Mets. Mets for the reasons you cited. And from an outsider's perspective, I really like what the Jays did. I consider the Jose Barrios uh, extension signing. T- uh, that was after the season, right? I consider that part no. of the offseason, no? Or was that right when he got traded? It was during the season. Okay, either way. You got Matt Chapman, big Matt Chapman guy. Dallas Braden, I agree with you. Um, like I said, <laughs> most significant move of the offseason, most impactful. Um, that's my take. Okay. 
Who you got, Isaac? I'm really I I've been trying to find a team that is more worthy of the best offensive I mean best free agent tag, but the New York Mets it has to be. Like it, it's almost to me is undoubtedly they they did the most. They signed a, a few stars. They also signed some mediocre players. They signed some above average players. This is uh, we talked about this a couple years ago. I feel like where the Mets had another big, huge offseason and it didn't do anything for them. Steve Cohen is very aggressive in free agency, and he's putting it to the test again this year. So we'll see if it turns out high-risk, high-reward. Yep. Well, it's time that we move into our power rankings, and we will definitely discuss where the Mets land because, spoiler alert, they are in our top 10. We are going to count it down backwards because it builds so much suspense and you're going to love that so much more. <laughs> our number 10 pick might be a bit of a spoiler here, or not a bit of a spoiler, a bit of a surprise, but I don't really know. I think a lot of people think highly of this team this year. The Seattle Mariners are, are our number 10 team <laughs> in the power rankings the diamond gems power rankings have the mariners number 10 boys what did we like about the seattle mariners and what earned them a top 10 spot for you julio rodriguez <laughs> even though he's not in the league right now, that's what i'm just going with this team was an overachieving team this team had 92 wins and a minus 15 run differential they should not be in this but we love them as underdogs Another underdog story who's much better than last season. Robbie mm-hmm. Ray, in addition, they actually have some dudes this this season. So that underachieving team, it can become a true 90-win season and make the playoffs. So a top-10 team, I don't think it's out of the question. Uh, Julio Rodriguez gets a call. Jared Kellenick steps his game up. We have a bunch of young players on this team. Rotation's a bit, sh- sh- bit shaky, even with Robbie Ray in charge. Uh, but yeah, I like them at 10. Yeah, I agree. They made the moves necessary. They filled the holes they had. They debatably overfilled their outfield holes if they even had any, but I like them at number 10. <laughs> That's where I have it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I there think we, we, you consider that last year they had a bunch of young guys that were helping them compete. And I think that it's safe to say that most of that, those guys will take another step forward this year. I think it's safe to say that Jared Kalanick will probably have a better season than he did last year. They add in Jesse Winker and Julio Rodriguez will probably make an appearance at some point. Kyle Lewis is back. Mm-hmm. Let's not forget about Kyle Lewis, uh, who won Rookie of the Year, He did, I believe. Yeah, He did. Um, so having him back is obviously a big thing for them as well. And yeah. I mean, I think that they're set to be a very good team. I actually like their rotation. I think the rotation is a little bit underrated. You have Robbie Ray, obviously, mm-hmm. who won't be as good as he was last year, but will probably still be quite good. Um, you have Logan Marco Gilbert. Gonzalez, who is kind of year over year kind of underrated, gives you good innings, and usually a just under four type of ERA. Um, Chris Flexen is somebody I actually like that I think is also underrated and, and can take another step forward this year. Uh, Logan Gilbert, like Greg mentioned, is probably their number four there. And 
a young guy that has a lot of potential. And uh, I don't know who their fifth guy would be right now, but if I'm not mistaken, the Mariners have a lot of good young pitching depth in the minor leagues that uh, could probably come up soon. And also, if they're very competitive at some point this season, they could go out and make a trade for uh, another starting pitcher that could just help to bolster this. So uh, we actually all agreed that this was number 10. We all had them as our number 10 pick. So a unanimous number 10. Now we move to number nine, where things are less unanimous. Is it, is this where I, <laughs> I chime in here? Uh, okay. <laughs> Yankees bias. Sorry. <laughs> So it is the Yankees. <laughs> um, personally, I had them two spots higher. I think they're a, a number seven, and that's fully dependent on their pitching. I think offensively, incredible lineup. Joey Gallo, Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think they are second, maybe third in the AL East. Um, they dropped a nine in the power rankings because there are a couple Yankee haters that actually dropped them uh, <laughs> almost out of contention for the top 10. I, like I said, really like their offense. I think pitching is going to be a weakness. I think Garrett Cole is not going to be Garrett Cole. Whole sticky substance thing. Um, Luis Severino does come back this year, hopefully. Who knows if he stays healthy. And then not back on the IL. Yeah. Um, Jamison Tyone uh, as a number three, potentially. And then you, Jordan Montgomery, fill in whatever other blanks you want. Starting rotation Nestor is the Cortez. Yeah. Don't forget about Nasty Nestor. Nasty Nestor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's the weakness. It's an obvious weakness. Their ace can only do so much to carry them. Even if he wins every single start, your two to five starters aren't going to give you enough A, good innings, or B, those times where your offense maybe isn't clicking, they're not going to give you the elite pitching performance that you maybe need to you know, squeak out a win. So I guess that's why they're number nine. Yankees suck. They're not in my top 10. I think they might not even make a playoff spot this year. They will. They might not even, they might not even get a wild card. <laughs> so just so you guys know, uh, I may have, I almost manipulated this because this is my actual top 10. Like, it's one through 10 is the exact picks I made. Wow. So you guys really just copy and pasted my picks and put them in here, and we mutually agreed on it. So thank you. This is <laughs> wow. shaped by sports <laughs> wow, power rankings, but actually my personal that. power rankings. Wow. So it should be Isaac Sport, Isaac Coates of Shape by Sports, and y'all just riding it. That's nuts. Wow. Okay, so... If- Full disclosure, this is what we did. We basically, we all created our power rankings and then we awarded points for each position. So, for example, the Dodgers are like the, sorry, not not trying to give too much away here. Uh, The Mariners, because we all had them at number 10, they each got, they got one point from each of us. So they got three points. And uh, that's basically, it was like a point system. We just put our rankings together and then weighed everything and, uh, things ended up the way that they ended up. Um, but apparently they ended up exactly <laughs> the way that Isaac created them. It's kind of like <laughs> that episode of The Office where Dwight creates a uh, a bit of a system. Do you remember that episode, Isaac? He creates a system oh, that ends sure up having Pam of the be month. the employee of the month. And yeah. then Jim as a second place. Yes. Yeah. Everything backfires. That's exactly on. what I did. Yeah. Um, I created this point system so I would win. And then, so basically, when you're when you're gonna talk shit about our unanimous choices 
for uh, power rankings. Uh, it's I guess I guess I have to take the blame because these are mine. Yep. Now. Yeah. <laughs> so like I anyways said, like yes. I said just gonna go out there and say it right now. I think the Yankees are outside of my top ten. I for mm-hmm. these following reasons, their pitching is not very good. They Garrett Cole, yes, obviously one of the better pitchers in baseball. And I kind of disagree with Greg that he might not be Garrett Cole this year. I think he's going to actually be better this year than he was last season um, because I think he's had the offseason time to make adjustments and not have to deal with, uh, you know, sticky substance bans midway through the season, which I still think are unfair. The fact that they did it right in the middle of the season and didn't give people time to adjust. But I digress. Um, I think their lineup is just insanely injury prone. And we saw it last year that they got hurt by injuries and people were like, oh, well, what are the Yankees supposed to do? The Yankees aren't the Yankees because they're hurt. You idiots. You went out and you got a bunch of people who are always injured. No wonder your whole team is fucking injured. If, if the Yankees healthy, suck, they're outside of the top 10. I would have had the Giants at number nine. If healthy, are the Yankees in the top 10? Maybe. <laughs> Done, and we're healthy right now. Yeah, let's go to yeah. Yeah, this, move on these to are our preseason eight. power rankings. To be okay, fair. number eight, the Milwaukee Brewers. So Milwaukee here. This is this is an iffy one because Milwaukee to be at the same level as they were last season because they had no upgrades. Their pitchers have to be as elite. That starting rotation and the bullpen has to be just as good as last season to keep them in this eighth spot because their offense is bad. Their offense has been bad, been bad, and will always be bad as long as they don't make changes. So this is, I feel like this is the riskiest one because this could, if Brandon Woodruff gets hurt or Corbin Burns gets hurt or they have off seasons, it's done. Um, but Milwaukee Brewers are, are number eight. Where are you guys stand on that? I had them at... 15 for the exact reasons you said (laughs) you are banking so hard on albeit elite pitchers your best pitchers being your best pitchers every single time they take the mound they one slip up Mm -hmm. and you're you fall out of contention like that and you're putting a lot of pressure on christian yelich to carry the offense which he didn't do uh uh, last year potentially which he won't do do. yeah so i think too much rides (laughs) on too few people um for for them to be in my top but 10. best rotation in baseball so yes. i mean yes uh if you're the best at best. something second you should best. be inside the top 10 who's the, the mets maybe we'll get back to it the mets are the best rotation yeah. okay maybe yes i guess very close though. i don't even think it's so a, quite my, the one-two punch of a max yeah. scherzer and a <laughs> my reason for the brewers and i actually had the brewers ranked as my number seven in my personal power rankings the reason i have them here is strictly pitching. I think that they're the best rotation in baseball. Their top three are all Cy Young contenders in Burns, Woodruff, and Peralta. Then they have Adrian Hauser and Eric Lauer, who are very good 4-5 guys. The bullpen has the best closer in the National League in Josh Hader. Probably in baseball, honestly. I think that's probably not even... A hot take. I think Josh Hader is the best closer in baseball. Consistently. Um, yeah, year over year. And then they have Devin Williams, who, if he doesn't punch anything, will be fantastic again. 
and their lineup, like, to me, yeah, not very good, but Christian Yelich can't be worse than he was last season, right? That has to be his floor. So he can only get a little bit better from there. Uh, they also added like Hunter Renfro, who's a little bit of an underrated bat and a very good defender. They have good defense. Uh, got Andrew McCutcheon. That won't do anything for them. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Their their lineup is not that strong, no. but the pitching is just so good, like the best in the league, that I have to have them in my top 10. Yeah, we talked about they're the reverse of the Red Sox or the Yankees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lineup not good, <laughs> pitching unreal. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jacob, bring us in seven. <sighs> this is a perfect one for me to bring in because I am so over the Astros cheating <laughs> scandal that we have them in our top ten power rankings. I have them. Uh, we have them collectively at number seven. I had the Astros at number six. MLB had the Astros ranked at number eight. So we actually gave them. A bit of a boost in number seven. I'll start leading it off with why I think they're here. And it is that they're actually like not really in a worse place than they were last year, in my opinion. Even though they've lost Carlos Correa, they also, their top six in their lineup is still Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Jordan, Guriel, and Kyle Tucker, who is, I think, going to have a great season. Justin Verlander is back. Um, you get full seasons of Framber Valdez, who seems to have figured things out. Uh, Luis Garcia seems like a good young pitcher. Jose Urquidy and Christian Javier kind of as your four or five. Um, not terrible. And Lance McCullers will be back at some point. He's going to miss probably the first couple turns through the rotation, and then he'll be back there. He has a, a flexor strain that he's been dealing with this offseason. Um, originally worried. People thought that it might be a UCL issue leading to Tommy John. Uh, It's not that. So he will be back at some point, probably before May. Um, I think that they're in a really good spot. And we saw how dominant they were over the last few seasons. I don't really see a reason for them not to be, despite the loss of Carlos Correa, which is a big loss. I'm not discounting that. But um, I still think they're a very good team. Now, I think... This we're at the very end. It may have ended last season, but we are at the very end of one of the best dynasties in baseball history. And don't get that confused, Jacob. That's a fact. This team is it. the exact same. Well, not the exact same. They're missing Carlos Correa, but nothing else changed from last season. And I don't think... Maybe Carlos Correa is going to leave an impact, maybe five, six games. But this team should still be in the playoffs. And I think seven is probably an appropriate spot. I had them at 11. I'm going to pull out the injury term again. Bregman and Alvarez, both injury prone. Bregman missed most of last year, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Kyle Tucker, love Kyle Tucker. I think he's going to be a staple in that offense. He's young, potentially the most talented player on that team. I just don't like Jose Altuve. That's all I'll say. You lose Correa, which you touched on. Debatably the best player last year on that team. Um, I think Michael Brantley is getting old. I think the only pitcher in the rotation that you can count on is Justin Verlander. I think two through five, there's too many question marks. You don't know what you're going to get. That's why I have them at 11 in my rankings. 
it also might be a lot to count on Justin Verlander, if we're being honest. Yeah. He is coming back from Tommy John. He's, what, 38 years old? Um, you're asking a lot from him, for also, sure. Also, they lost Zach Greinke. I don't know if that's going to have a huge effect, but it's another arm it does. that you can count He was on. good. He was good. Um, yeah, that's true. I, I didn't even incorporate his loss. I kind of think of them as one of these teams... Um, so there's three teams to me that are always on paper not amazing, but then are very good when the season happens because they're very good at finding guys to plug specific holes and really just their their roster management and everything is so fantastic. Good, uh, they're just a really well put together like analytical type of organization. I see that in the Astros, I see that in the Brewers, and I see that in the Tampa Bay Rays. So those three teams, to me, I always take a little bit, like take it with a grain of salt, um, not reading too much into what the on-paper lineup looks like, and just knowing that they're going to find a way to manipulate things and, and find some wins. That makes a good segue to get to our next uh announcement on our our power rankings here number six we have one of those well-managed organizations in the tampa bay rays year after year despite what people would think are potentially negative changes to the lineup which they did lose nelson nelson cruz um most notably uh they still find a way to make the playoffs they find a way to win games and win or compete to win debatably the most competitive division in baseball I personally had them at number eight on my rankings. I think not having Tyler Glasnow is going to take a huge, huge hit on that team. Um, I think Austin Meadows is a stud. I think they have a a lot of young guys, most notably, I think would be Shane Baz um, that are going to come up and hopefully perform well. Uh, But we have them at number six. What do you think? I think Austin Meadows concerns me. Sorry. You can go ahead first. Consistency wise. Uh, his downward trend when he should be going upward based on his age over the past couple seasons is concerning with his his hard hit rates dropping his pull rates increasing and his strikeout has been hitting the moon um he is an immensely talented player like you said if he can get it together this season and he can hit for average as well as power, then he's then that team is going to be trouble. Wander Franco is the only guy we need to mention, though, in my opinion. Wander Franco is, well, we'll save that take for this time. Go for it, Jacob. I think that the Tampa Bay Rays are in some trouble potentially this year, but I have so much faith in them that we just ha- I just have to put them at number six. I had them as my number six team. Where I worry about them is definitely pitching. Like Greg said, Tyler Glasnow mm-hmm. is probably not even going to pitch this year. He might, but I, I don't know. I don't know how much you can put in it. Even when he comes back, I feel like he's going to pitch for a couple innings at a time. So the the starting rotation you're looking at right now is Shane McClanahan, Drew Rasmussen, Corey Kluber, Ryan Yarborough, and Luis Patino. That's not great, but... The Rays always find a way to manipulate things. I think that their starting lineup, when you look at it, Brandon Lau, Wander Franco, Austin Meadows, Randy Rosarena, G-Man Choi, Yandy Diaz, Manuel Margot, Mike Zanino, Kevin Kiermeyer. 
pretty much the same that they had last year without Nelson Cruz. And Nelson Cruz was not actually that fantastic for the Tampa Bay Rays last year. So I don't think it's a huge, huge loss. Um, and I don't know. The Rays are going to Ray. That's the, that's the way I look at this. And that's why I have them at number six. MLB actually had the Tampa Bay Rays at number three. So uh, we actually made them fall a little bit in the rankings. And even at number six, honestly, I still don't feel confident in them. But I think we have to put them there. Now, what about Corey Kluber? Does he fill any kind of void? I think he's actually a good fit for the Rays organization, the way that they manipulate pitchers and everything like that. Um, he'll probably be like a once through or like twice through the rotation type of guy, and then they pull him out for for someone else, some swingman. They go to the bullpen after that. The problem to me with the Rays this season is last year they didn't have as many of those guys that were. Um, like a four-inning guy that you had to take out after. Mm -hmm. They had a couple guys that could give them a little bit more length. And when you lose that, it puts even more of a strain on your bullpen. And I think if they have that one through five, basically, it's going to be very, very difficult for them to sustain success over the course of the season. Um, But like I said, man, I I think that they are just going to do what they do every year and still be a competitor despite having some on-page struggles. And even last year, we saw that they went out and got Nelson Cruz. So, I mean, they could still Mm -hmm. pick someone up like that. Um, Also, Shane Baugh's, for some reason, not on this uh, projected starters rotation that I'm looking at here. He'll be a part of that, I believe. Those are all wrong, because Robbie Ray wasn't even on that for the Mariners. Mm. Okay. So, Um, yeah, don't put too much stock in that, I guess. But it's still not a very strong... Oh, they also have Chris Archer. Um, <laughs> not sure how much you can believe in him, but you know he'll be back as they well. They have options. Year. Yeah, that's why I think that Coming they're just in. gonna they'll finesse something, man. They'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, just for the listeners here, if you're not hearing Yankee bias chime in at any point, it is because Greg had to step away. He gave us a time frame to work within, and uh, we have gone over it. We blew it. So it's that's yes. on us. Uh, we thank Greg for his for his service. Um, but Isaac and I <laughs> will lead the way okay. through the rest of this. Yes. Isaac, tell us our number stepping five. Stepping in, stepping in at number five in these power rankings, probably the most balanced, one of the most balanced teams. This is also injury contingent, and that is the Chicago White Sox. Starting rotation could be Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, Lance Lynn, Michael Kopech. Yes, they lost Carlos Rodon. But we're fine. Buoyed by a pretty solid offensive core with Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Robert, sorry, Yasmani Grandel, and Jose Abreu. If they stay healthy and if Andrew Vaughn progresses, this team is pretty solid. One of the better bullpens in baseball as well. Um, they could use another starter in this rotation, maybe a, a midseason trade, something like that. But Chicago White Sox number five. Where where did you have them, Jacob? I had them number eight, and you guys both were like, "That's stupid. That's too that's too high in the power rankings." Um, MLB ranked them number two. That to me was egregious. I don't see that. Mm. They lost Carlos Rodon from last season, 
and I think that that's a, a decent loss for them. He was a big contributor to the rotation last year. Um, we also just saw them get exposed in the playoffs last year as pretenders, and I I don't know. Just I think seeing what happened to them in the postseason last year kind of gave me bad vibes and made me think that they're not as real deal. Um, now, they did deal with a substantial amount of injuries, but who's to say that's not to happen again? And to me, the, the, the problem is you look at their lineup and you look at their rotation right now and things look good, but the depth isn't there. They're not a team that I think has the, the Ray ability of just pulling in players and finding guys and making things work. I think if they don't have these guys on the field, they're going to struggle. And I just don't see them as, even with like the good names in the lineup, like, I don't know, man. I, there's just something about them that is just off to me. I definitely acknowledge that they are like a, a well put together, like solid team, but I just have a hard time. I, I found number two laughable by MLB and I don't know. Um, Where did Greg have them? Do you know? I can definitely double check that. He this sent us a picture. Now, some of their gains, some of the, some of their smaller gains this year, Kendall Greg Graveman. Had them, five. had them five. Just perfect. Uh, Kendall Graveman, Joe Kelly. Uh, they lost Ryan Tapera. And they also got Josh Harrison in the offseason as well so far. So, it this team... I don't think Carlos Rodon, yeah, he had an amazing year. He had a great year. I don't know how much of a loss that is going to be because I, I, I don't want to be hard on him. I also think he was overachieving a little bit too. Um, but they still have a pretty solid rotation without him. And I, that's why number five here isn't because they have like a superstar core. It's This team on paper is just one of the most balanced teams mm-hmm. out there. Um, so, Jacob, number four. Number four, I am really worried about announcing this publicly because I know it's going to get a lot of hate because I saw what y'all did to the MLB when they posted the New York Mets as their number five. We have moved them up a spot from the MLB rankings. They are now our number four team. Dude, they got so much hate in the comments. People were all over whoever made the rankings for having MLB or for having the Mets at number five. We have them at number four. We're going to get hate for it. I don't understand the hate for it. Dude, look at their rotation. It's it is, Mets fans and Yankees fans. New York people are the loudest. Yes, that's true. They are often defeatist, sad motherfuckers. That's that's what tends to happen. They always think the worst of, of, of the team. You know, they always find the negative. I do find that that is definitely the case with Mets fans. However, the Mets have given them reason to be like that, especially over the last couple of years. We were looking at the Mets last year preseason being like, dude, they look pretty nice. They look like they might be able to compete for a wild card spot. They fell off a train, Isaac. They did. Over a bridge. Mm-hmm. Into rocky waters. It did not go well at all in the second half. And I think that the only thing holding the Mets back, in my opinion is the fact that the Mets might be cursed. They probably are. (laughs) Now, some of their pick, they have this core. They have a very solid core. Frankie Lindor, hopefully this is the bounce back season that we're hoping for. Um, Some of their moves, pickups this season, Adam Adovino, um, Eduardo Escobar, Mark Canna, 
Starlin Marte, and then Max Scherzer. So they built up, and they lost Javi Baez for the short time that they had him, which I don't see as a, as a much of a loss at all. Um, I think Eduardo Escobar, I know he's a third baseman, but I, I think he's better than him. That's that's a bad take, probably. Hot take. Um, but I see the Mets as a very good team, and I finally feel like this is the year they put it together, and maybe they are cursed. But I feel like we got to take a shot at them because one year they're going to surprise us. We were we doubted the, the San we doubted San Francisco all year last season. Let's not doubt the Mets this season. Let's just ride the wave. Yeah, man. I I I really think that like, I, just when you look at it, dude, they're stacked on paper. They have one of the best if not the best rotation i still think the brewers have the best rotation in the mlb so maybe the mets are number two but you've got degrom scherzer bassett carrasco and taiwan walker like that's that's pretty solid um and then you have like a tyler mcgill who could be like your your number five or your depth starter uh when one of those guys probably ends up getting hurt for a bit um and then like you said Marte. i thought mark Hanna was kind of an underrated pickup this year People sleep on on Mark Hanna. He's a very good hitter. Um, he'll help that lineup. And then also, dude, they, they just had, like, everyone on their team last year seemingly had a career-worst season. What are the chances mm. that they all have terrible career-worst seasons again? Exactly. I think unlikely. Not happening. So I think that they're going to make a comeback this year. Um, and they made all of the right moves in the offseason, in my opinion. I don't think you can blame management if this team fails. I think it's just a curse if it does. And mm-hmm. I think that that's the only reason people are doubting the Mets is that the Mets have traditionally looked good and then done nothing. So we just got to hope that that's not the case this year and that they're actually good. Number three, the Atlanta Braves. Was that my turn or your turn? I think it was my turn, your right? Your turn. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Atlanta Braves. Yes, they lost Freddie Freeman, but they gained Maddelson. This team is probably the same as they were last year, except they are except they have Ronald Acuna healthy. They were the same team going into this season as they were at the end of last season, and that was World Series champions. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw people pushing them down power rankings, and that seems really off-putting to me as this team is no worse than they were last year, and last year they won the fucking World Series. So I don't understand how they could be pushed down beyond five. Top three, I think they could be number two. They mm-hmm. could almost be pushing for number one at this point. Look, they re-signed Eddie Rosario. That's fine. Bring in Kenley Jansen. They also signed Kirby Yates. Quietly. They also signed Colin McHugh. A few small little deals that are going to add up and become useful tools in coming out of the bullpen. And, like, obviously, as I said, Ronald Acuna Jr., the best player in baseball. Healthy. Hopefully healthy this season. He's gonna Do you have anything to add season, to Atlanta? I think. Is he? I think confirmed? so. But I, I don't know if it's confirmed, but I'm pretty sure that he has not recovered from his ACL injury in time to be there for the first month of the season, I think he might be missing. I saw a report somewhere. I think that the reason people are downplaying them is they lost... Targeting Freddie. May. It's, it's, That's not good. Yeah. It's targeting May, exactly. Um, they lost Freddie Freeman. They lost 
at Jorge Soler. They lost Jock Peterson. Those were three impactful players. Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson really postseason were were when they they were really good and helpful for the Braves. But I think that they were, like you said, Isaac, they're in a better position now than they were at the start of the the previous season. I don't know. I think that they're I think that they're very good. And I think Alex Anthopoulos as their general manager, they're trying to win again this year. There will be moves made throughout the season that help them. Like you said, they added Colin McHugh. They added Kenley Jansen. They added uh, Kirby Yates, who is, again, I think, in like two injured. Years. Yeah, uh, yeah, but still, worth a, worth a risk, I guess. And, like, man, they their bullpen was the best in baseball last year, and they made it even better. Like, I think that they're easily a top three team. I think that they were, but for me, I had them number three as well. Um, but they could have been number two. And uh, we'll get into number two right now. And the reason that maybe they, they should be number two is because we might be clouded, Isaac, by Blue Jays bias. We have the Toronto Blue Jays at number two. I don't know if we are completely blind to this but greg had them at number three i believe he did yeah greg had them at number three um the power rankings by mlb had them at number six now to be fair mlb's preseason power rankings came out before they signed matt chapman or before they acquired matt chapman and before they signed yusei kikuchi so i think that those do See, those two deals do yeah. move them up the rankings a considerable amount the cbs rankings has the Blue Jays at number three. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, uh, are you still going with your point? I was just adding that to yours. Yeah, I mean, I can I, I can continue. I think that the Blue Jays have, they have the best rotation in the American League East. That's not really a debate. Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios, uh, mm-hmm. Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, Yusei Kikuchi. That's the best rotation in the American League East by quite a bit. When you look at the Yankees and you look at the Red Sox and you look at the Rays and definitely when you look at the Orioles, they have the best rotation. This team is a year older. A year older. This team had three different home stadiums last season. Do not forget about that. When the Jays went back to Toronto, they were 25-11 and at home. And... Uh, their other home games, quote unquote, before that they were twenty-two and twenty-two because they didn't they didn't have a home game until late July. This team has one of the best cores, if not the best core in all of baseball. The best young core. This pitching rotation, maybe without an ace, they have five four solid guys in that rotation. The bullpen, meh. You got a few things to work out, but you, you have Garcia Jordan Romano. That was a decent signing. Yes, and Jordan Romano is still rounding that out. We have Matt Chapman defensively. Yes, we're missing Marcus Simeon. But there's still guys to fill spots there. We picked up Malik Smith, which is a small deal, but utility player could be useful. You have Espinal can even fill in the hole at second base. You have a lot of opportunities in Toronto. Toronto has the brightest future in baseball. And all bias aside, the Jays could easily be 
the second best or the best team in baseball. They could have 100 wins this season. I think the Jays are being undervalued going into the season for sure. I would. This is the first time I've been optimistic for a Jays season in my entire life, I'm pretty sure. I always assume that they'll just nearly miss the playoffs, or if they do make the playoffs, they'll be out in the ALDS at the very most. But I, I'm, I'm confident that this year is a year they can win their division. I would be extremely shocked if the Blue Jays do not make the playoffs in some capacity. Extremely, extremely shocked. I think it, they're as much of a lock for playoffs as you can, as you could pretty much have. Uh, I'm knocking on wood right now. Don't want to jinx anything, but that is my gut feel. the The lineup they they have Isaac. They have the best. Sorry, little alarm going off there. They have the best rotation in base in the American League East and they have the best lineup in the American League East. They should win mm. the division. Their bull even their bullpen, Isaac, when you think about yeah. it, compare better than the Red Sox, obviously better than the Orioles. Comparable to the Yankees and to the Rays, I would say. Not wor- I wouldn't say it's worse off than either of those two teams. So yeah. all around, they are definitely the best team in their division going in to this season Mm -hmm. and yeah like i i think that they're a real contender this year as much as i am every team and i'm 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 biased (laughs) every single team including the next team has a lot of question marks this season there are a lot of holes toronto is pretty stable in almost every category which is to their benefit this season um, number one, obviously, coming in then is the Los Angeles Dodgers. There's no surprise there. Unanimous there decision from, from the Diamond yes, Gems boys. There are more question marks than last season, um, but still, it's the Dodgers. They're both, their bullpen and rotation are more question marks than their, than their offensive standpoint. But, uh, I mean, how can you not rank the Dodgers number one? I They're usually good for 100 wins, which easily puts them – top two teams in baseball so i yeah i don't think there's any surprises no one's going to complain about the dodgers being number one i don't think we even need to talk about them that much like really the dodgers are number one right that's it that's (laughs) no debate yeah so we should just quickly touch on some of the fringe teams that didn't really they didn't crack our top 10 um i want to start by acknowledging the san francisco giants because people are probably going to come for us they had the second most wins in baseball last year, and now they're not in our top 10. Well, personally, I had them probably around my number nine when I when I think about it. Um, but mm. we doubted them all year, and they proved us wrong. Good for them. Good for them for so proving us wrong. Again. You're going to have to prove us wrong again because... They had a bunch of players that significantly overachieved last season. They lost Kevin Gosman. They lost Chris Bryant. And, you know, I just, uh, I don't know, man. I'm not confident that they can be a really good team this year. And I'm I'm not feeling too bad that they're not in our collective Diamond Gems power rankings as top 10. Now, that being said, I definitely think that they could make the postseason and snag a wild card. So they're probably an 11 or 12 on our power rankings. Would you agree with that, Isaac? Yeah, probably. I mean, you can't write off a team that had over 100 wins and just drop them down. They just didn't do much to get better. 
mm-hmm. in my opinion. And I think they overproduced last season. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would put them there probably. Yeah. What about the Padres? What do you feel about them? Look, Padres and and the Giants kind of switched places last year. We had high hopes for them. Um, now I'm hoping that the Padres could be could be that team that kind of surprises us this season. They're coming in as an underdog standpoint, especially with the T's being injured. Um, I'd probably have them around. I didn't do my bottom 20 rankings. I probably would have them ranked around 14, 15. They mm-hmm. have the chance. They have, they can either win 85 wins or they can win 70 wins. Like it's, <laughs> a, it could go either way. My reason for the Padres not being in the top 10 is simple, and it's that Fernando Tatis Jr. is out for at least three months this yes. season. That's the only reason for me that they yeah. are not in my top 10. I think if he was there, they would be probably... They, I think they'd still be probably around the back end of it because of how bad of a season mm-hmm. they had last year. Um, and they didn't really do a ton to improve themselves either. They got Luke Voigt, which fills their designated hitter role I guess Uh, but even he has had his fair share of injuries and performance issues so uh, he's definitely not a surefire thing either Um, they have a lot to prove this year and I think until they prove that I can't feel bad about not having them in our top 10 now Boston St. Louis and Philly I think I would put them all ahead of um, all ahead of San Diego Boston was another one that was very fringe for us. We actually did, <laughs> we kind of manipulated it a little bit. We were going to, prob- the way that the weighting of all of our rankings ended up, they should have been our number 10 team. But when we were thinking about it, we couldn't really have four teams from the AL East in our top 10 for power rankings. That just seemed insane. Um, and we liked the Mariners as a dark horse. The Red Sox have no pitching right now. Their pitching mm-hmm. is terrible. They Nate Eovaldi is their ace. And mm. I don't like the the looks of that going into this season. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then you've got Nick Pavetta and then nobody. Tanner Hawk, actually kind of a little bit underrated. But even last year, the, the Red Sox were only willing to give him like three or four innings at a time. Um, the bullpen actually did get a little bit better. Um, they got Jake Diekman, I guess. That's an arm. He can throw. Um, <laughs> Matt Barnes. I don't know. They're th- no, the only reason the Red Sox to me are good is based on what I saw in the postseason last year. A big part of that was Kyle <laughs> Schwarber. He's not even there anymore. Yeah, boy. And Trevor's story kind of does he fill that void a little bit? I now, think over the course of we... the season, probably. What are we ta- thinking of this Chris Sale injury? Is he going to come back anytime soon? He had a stress fracture in a rib, I believe, is the injury that he's dealing with right now. Yeah, but they're keeping it quiet. Yeah, too. He's also still recovering, basically, from Tommy John surgery. He was back last year, but not in full capacity. Um, and, yeah, I mean, he's dealt with injuries over his career. Who's to say that so he's actually we, going to we're, do that? Just, we're not factoring him in, really. Because we don't have a high expectation for him to come back and be healthy and pitch to his old self. Yes. In any capacity. I yeah. agree. Yep. Fair. Okay. Um, 
I mean, what other teams do we need to touch on? I guess Greg. The Angels. Well, no, fuck Shohei. the Angels. <laughs> the Angels, dude. Uh, okay, fuck. you talk about worst Give off Mike seasons. Angels might have had the worst off season. True. Do you do you disagree with that? They. I don't disagree. They were in an. They were in a position where everyone thought this is the year they're gonna add. They're gonna make the significant moves we need to make, and they didn't make those moves. They went and got Noah Syndergaard, who is a ginormous risk. And yeah, I mean that's that's what they did. Um, other teams on here, I just wanted to quickly mention St. Louis Cardinals. I love the Cardinals. I really like their lineup this year and uh, how some of the members of the rotation having Jack Flaherty back. I really like him, and I definitely wouldn't write them off. I could definitely see them snagging a wild card again. Um, Cardinals were definitely a fringe team for me that I definitely considered putting in this top 10, but ultimately just did not make the cut. Um, And then lastly, I just want to say the Philadelphia Phillies. They made some big moves. Obviously, they got Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber in the offseason. I think that they're still going to be bad because they are by far the worst defensive team in baseball, and adding Nick Castellanos and Kyle Schwarber does not help your defense. So, I don't know. I just And the rotation is sketchy to me. They have Zach Wheeler. Aaron Nola is pretty good, but he gives up a lot of home runs. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't I don't trust the Phillies. I don't think they're going to be that great. I think they're about a 15 or 16. But just wanted to mention them because Greg actually had them as his number nine team on his power rankings. I like the Phillies more than the Padres. That's a wild take. Really. <laughs> Chris, Greg agreed with you. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, uh, that was a lot of talking, man. That was a two-hour episode. It was the season premiere, though, so we had to come with a banger. We had to come with a lot of information for you. I feel like doing our power rankings and going through every, basically every acquisition and offseason was a lot to accomplish, but we got it done in our first season, first episode of season two. It's been real. I'm tired. It's time for me to go to bed. But before I go to bed, I need to tell you that you should follow us on Instagram at Diamond Gems Podcast <laughs> at Shape by Sports. Follow us on TikTok at Shape by Sports. Visit our website, shapebysports.com. Like, subscribe, leave a nice review, all of that good stuff. Check out Isaac's podcast, Scramble Squad Pod, Golf Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and look forward to speaking to you more as this season progresses. Let's go. Enjoy spring training. We'll get back to you next week.